What do you think? Did he get up? Am I hungover? What? <laughs> nah, a little slightly. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing here. Are you kidding me, Mike? Hey, everybody. It's Dale Jr. Welcome back to another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. This is Dirty Air, um, and I am obviously not in the studio. Uh, Mike is in the Bojangle Studios, you can see. What's up, man? Um, I am out on vacation with my family, uh, but excited to talk about everything going on this week. So uh, so we, we, we dialed in, we called in, Mike, and um, there is a lot happening in this sport. Um, anyways, we um, since I'm on vacation, Mike, we got a great program that we want to uh, uh, share with our, our uh, followers. Um, my sister Kelly is going to be introducing a series that we're going to do, and we're going to call this the business of motorsports. Um, often some of the best content that I see out in social media around motorsports is about the cost, the detailed cost, uh, the, the decisions that need to be made, uh, how that affects the business and how to run a race team. I, I've seen, uh, great content created by grassroots racers. And uh, it's fascinating, I think, even for me, uh, that knows a lot about the business and how to run a team and how, how much it costs and all those things. It's still really fascinating to see how people do it and the decisions they make to go to the racetrack. So Kelly's going to be creating a new series called Business Motorsports, and her first guest is Steve Laletta. And this man is the president of 2311. So not only, I guess, are we going to hear um, Kelly's insight on how our business model works in the Xfinity series, which is really fascinating. But um, 2311, one of the newer teams, Denny Hamlin comes in and wants to create a business model or a race team that's a little bit different than how he's you know seen race teams ran in his career. And uh, Steve's got a unique background with Chip Ganassi and a few other programs, um, but also how they you know how they juggle all the challenges of coming into the sport and becoming competitive uh, on the cup level. Um, how charters work and how they acquire charters and all those things. It's going to be really fascinating stuff, Mike. So pretty exciting. That's going to be a series. So it'll be reoccurring throughout the year. Am I right? That's right. We'll do that. Uh, start it tomorrow. But I've got to tell you, Dale, we miss you. Um, you're, you're gone. And uh, we'll do this series, you know, start it off with Steve Loletta and Kelly uh, while you're gone. But, man, you leave and, and the world sort of unravels uh, around here. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if, if, if we need our leader back or what, but uh, – you know, Denny's gone off and 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 made admissions on his podcast. Uh, you know, Junior Motorsports uh, found each other like magnets again over the weekend. I mean, what, what's going on here? Yeah, that was um, that was tough to see on sa- on Saturday. Um, and all my friends are asking me how how do you manage that or what do you do about that? And you know, I you got to you know I haven't had a chance to really sit down and talk to some of the drivers, so I wouldn't want to want to sit on here and, and this be the first thing they hear out of my mouth out of, over, you know, over what happened Saturday. But, um, you know, you definitely want your guys to race each other a, a little less uh, aggressively than they might race everyone else. And obviously our, our uh, drivers, you know, often get, you know, get into pretty tough battles with each other and we've seen it before. And sometimes, Sometimes, Mike, it's okay, and sometimes, you know, it's not. So you just – it's a balance. You, you don't 
know, there was a Charlotte race last year with Josh Berry and, and Justin Algar and they beat on each other and, and lean on each other. Josh wins the race, but Justin cut a tire down and, you know, you kind of want to see them run one, two, if they can. And, um, you know, but they were just, you know, it's, if they can get out and say, Hey man, I'm fine with that. I'm good with how you race me. It's kind of, it's kind of something they have to work out between themselves as much as I'd like to step in there and say, Hey Sam, you know, don't run into Josh or, <laughs> uh, you know, Hey, you know, Hey guys, you know, that's kind of, what are we doing here? Right? right. I mean, you want to, you want to do that, but at the same time, the drivers have a responsibility to talk to each other and communicate with each other, how they want to be raced and how they don't want to be raced. There was some competition meetings this week as well at, at the shop where they go through it all. But, um, and they all took ownership of it. You know, Sam, Sam's like, Hey, that was my bad. I don't know what was going on. I don't know why I did that. He owned it. Yeah. And, uh, I feel like that Justin and, and, uh, Brandon Jones had, um, an understanding about how the, you know, how their situation went down late in the race. But I'll be honest with you, man, it was frustrating to see our cars not perform better, you know, and as a company, the new rule change in the rear, in the back of the cars, um, we had that figured out NASCAR changed the left side trailing arm. And, uh, we used to run a shorter trailing arm on the left side and uh, NASCAR made everybody go to the same size, same length trailing arm that, um, you have on the right side. So now the car, and it takes away a lot of parts and pieces that can be manipulated right, to create skew in the car. And so, um, my, the rumor is, is that we, uh, were at Pocono last year and there's a camera shot at the, at turn one, but the car is coming at you down the front straightaway. And I believe somebody up in the top of the uh, tower at NASCAR, um, down in Daytona did not like the way the cars were skewed coming down the straightaway and said, I want to get rid of that. The cars don't need to be going crooked, uh, down the straightaway. And it just looked funny, which I agree, but it was definitely going to take away some of our advantage from what we had last year. And so, uh, the rule changes were made and now we've got to find uh, some speed. Yeah. You know, our cars are quick at times, but um, it's certainly really leveled the playing field uh, for us and made things a little more difficult, but we just got to work hard. You know, right. I knew it was going to be tough to repeat what we did last year, but the Denny Hamlin thing, man, um, I was really surprised by that. <laughs> Me and, both. Um, I mean, everybody was surprised by that. And I think that this is a, uh, this would be interesting. I think, you know, not, I, I'm not so much curious as to what happens on the racetrack or what kind of penalties might come down on Denny or whatever. I'm just curious to watch him navigate this new position as a content creator. And I know probably nobody else cares about that, but when he goes back into his podcast next week, right. And going forward, he talks about, Hey, as long as I got this microphone, I'm going to do this. I'm going to say this or, until Ross gets a microphone, right? He's, he, he can say whatever he wants, right? When he gets his own microphone. So, um, I'm interested to see kind of how Benny ebbs and flows in the, in, in his content and what he might say next week about whatever repercussions come from that admission. Um, and he might, he might have, which I like Benny. I like Benny being honest on his show. And I know a lot of people like it and a lot of people don't like it. Right. A lot of people, uh, a lot of people have done different opinions about what they're seeing from Denny in, in his podcast, but I think it's great um, that he's pretty much um, transparent 
and uh, probably too honest, but um, he might have just said, he might have could have just said, you know, I was out of control and I wasn't looking to save him. Because a lot of times um, hmm. when you're on the inside of somebody and you get loose or you're out of control or you're kind of, you know, you're sliding up the racetrack, you can spin yourself out, you know, and, and the, the guy on the outside just carries on. You can, you can turn yourself around. I was at, uh, so Denny had that option, right, to, to just spin himself and do everything he could to avoid hitting any, any car on his outside, which happened to be Ross. But he said, you know what, it, since it's Ross, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to correct to the right. I'm going to door him and we're going into the fence. And I think he could have maybe worded it that way. Um, I don't think that he went, you know, I don't think that he was like, here's my chance to ruin his race. I think that he thought I'm, I'm sliding up the track. I'm, I'm going to lose all these spots because I'm out of control. Yeah. Yeah. And then my car back up and I'm just going to use him as a way to keep me from wrecking. You know, I, um, I was racing at Myrtle beach in the nineties and I used to try to pass the same guy and two weeks in a row. I spun out underneath him. We, I get underneath him down a straightaway and he was coming to the bottom and he would cut you off. His name was Ray. And, uh, Every uh, time he got under, him, this guy would act like you weren't there, and you knew it. And he told, and he'd tell you, "Look, I'm coming down. If you want the spot, you're gonna have to drive through me." It was the craziest thing. I never knew anybody to ever race like that. But you'd get underneath him, and he'd just turn left into the corner, like you weren't there. Two weeks in a row, I spun out underneath this guy because he'd come down, and I'd I'd turn the wheel and get on the get get all loose and out of control and spin out. And I'd come home, and Dad's like, "Hey, man." What happened this weekend? I said, man, I got into that guy again. And I spun out and he goes, next time you're underneath him and he comes down the track, just slam on the brakes, mm. plant your front tires and lock your car into the track and, and hold the wheel straight, spin him out. I was like, you sure? He's like, yeah. And so literally like the next race, that's what happened. Got underneath him. He came down the track. And so, I mean, that's kind of what Denny had to do. He had a choice of, spinning himself out or ruining ruin, you know, further ruining his race, but doing it alone or trying to, you know, trying to correct into the car on the outside. You know, he knew he was going to lose spots anyways, but he's going to take somebody with him. Um, but that was fascinating. Yeah. That was fascinating that he would be, uh, you know, kind of wonder sometimes what he's thinking. There's, there's a bigger message or a bigger, he did that. He didn't, he, he got on that podcast and admitted that, because he's got some plan, right? He's got something, and it's he's got some plan how this is going to work out. To I, say it, I, I think so. Where, where he's going with all that? Yeah, what I don't do think, think I don't think Denny gets careless with his comments, even though it may seem yeah. like that. I think that he yeah. knows what he's doing, and so like none of this stuff. You know, uh, a friend of ours texted me this morning. He said it's almost like Denny was daring nascar to do something about it like and i'm like that's interesting i don't know that it, that i don't know i don't think that i would go i wouldn't go I that far but i do think he he didn't i don't think he misspoke i think he Not definitely NASCAR, could have i think ross what's that i said i don't know if he's there in nascar so much as he's there in Ross. well listen if you listen to the podcast the 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 story ends with them having a truce it does it, 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 I wonder it, if Ross will feel like that. Well, they had a conversation after the race. They had a conversation after the race, and Ross says to Denny, I guess I deserved that one, didn't I? And Denny says, yes. So this is the thing. When I, th I think you're right. I think that Denny could have framed this up better. The way he framed it yeah. up was that I was going to have a bad day, and I was, by God, bringing somebody with me. 
I wasn't going alone to my bad day. I was going to bring Ross with me because just because damn him. That's how he yeah. framed it up. What, what, what seemed to be the case, though, is that they were racing hard, and Denny goes back to feeling disrespected by Ross. And, in this, and he says this. He says that it all goes back to a respect thing. He's trying to get – he says that he told Ross, I just don't know why you're disrespecting uh, when you're driving. You're just so disrespectful. And, that, and so they had this conversation, and they, they have a truce. It's what he says. He goes, we say yeah. – Neither one of us want this to continue. Let's race each other exactly how we want to race each other from this day forward. This is happening over the weekend, and this is what he also says in the podcast. This is the part that's not getting any airplay. <laughs> the part where Ross says, I think I deserve that, and the part where uh, Denny and him reach a truce and say, let's, let's race each other hard, but let's not race each other disrespectfully. The Dale Jr. Download is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You going to any concerts this summer, man? I am. I'm seeing a concert in June. Hardy and Kit Moore. Love Hardy. In uh, Charlotte. I was so stressed getting the tickets. I'm going to be front row. I'm, I'm in the pit. When these tickets go out, man, I am online as soon as tickets open. I don't want to miss a thing. Yeah, you, you know, you got to act quick. Yes. And when you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for a business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. Mm. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast, and right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or the neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Dalton, this probably sounds real familiar to you. It does. I just bought a house last year. And, you know, you asked, uh, why can't all this information be in one place? Well, now it is. On homes.com, they've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. I got a bunch of reactions here. First and foremost, I think we should probably just say uh, the obvious, and that is that as we record this on a Tuesday morning, we don't know if there's going to be you know, a penalty or, or fine. We just know that NASCAR has uh, said that they listen to the podcast and that they may consider penalties. But we, as we record this right now, we don't know what that would be. Maybe it comes out later today. Maybe it doesn't. Who knows? But I saw that Elton Sawyer got on – Sirius XM this morning and was saying we've heard the podcast and they are considering yeah. you know fines and listen this wouldn't be the first time Denny's been penalized for something but um, 
uh, or, or fined for something, but it'd be interesting to see what he says. And I mean, well, I just think that they need to call Denny and they need to talk to him about really what went down. Taking, I mean, I understand Denny went on his show and said what he said, but, um, and I'm sure NASCAR probably is calling Denny and saying, Hey man, this is some, you know, they might not call him and ask his side of events. Right. They might just call him and tell him what they're going to do. But, um, as far as the penalty, but yeah, man, I mean, this, this happens, this happens every race. Nobody gets out and admits it. We, me and Denny were racing at Phoenix or, uh, Michigan one year. And, uh, the Toyotas were terrible. They didn't have any power. And, um, I was trying to pass Denny in turn three and four. And if I didn't clear him and get in line, if you remember how, you know, Michigan races go, if you, if you get let, if you got a guy on your outside off the four, they all get lined up and train you down the front straightaway and you lose a bunch of spots. Well, I was really fast and um, all the Hendrick cars were quick. And uh, Denny was, I'm going by Denny. I know it. I'm going to pass him. He's slow. All their cars were terrible. And uh, he hangs on my right rear quarter panel off of turn four. And I was like, no, sir. And I just came up the track and fenced him in the uh, off of four. I was like, not going to hang on my right rear quarter panel and cost me four or five spots down the front straightaway. When you know I'm damn quicker than you, we come off, you know, I finished top five and, uh, I think he finished fifth. I finished fourth or third. We parked on pit road and, uh, everybody gets out and Denny's like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> and I was like, well, I didn't want you hanging on my quarter panel, man. You were going to drag me down the straightaway and slide, side draft me and slow me down and cost me a spot or two. And I didn't, I wasn't going to let that happen. <laughs> he said, yeah, but you you just ran me into the fence like it wasn't there. And I said, I figured that's what you'd have done if you was me. And he goes, you don't know me like that. I ain't, I wouldn't do that. You're wrong. And so, I mean, these kind of things happen you know, every race where, I mean, how many times has everybody that's drove a race car been drove into the fence off the corner because the guy just what just you know, disrespected you or just didn't want to, didn't want to get raced down the next straightaway, wanted to spot. Yeah. Caught you in a moment um, where you didn't care. And, uh, so you, yeah, so, yeah I mean, yeah. we all have those moments and certainly they happen on the racetrack. You're like, not, not today, yeah. not today. And so I think Danny was overstating it a little bit about, man, I did this. I intentionally thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to wreck him. I think Danny was overstating it a little bit. I think Danny thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to lean on, I'm going to hit him and say, you know, and get my car straightened out and it's going to cost us both. We're both going backwards and I don't care because it's Ross. And I've had problems with him. So he probably would have took a little better care of somebody else. But since it was Ross, he's like, you know what? I'm using, I'm I'm heading up the racetrack and I'm going to use him up. That's right. Because we're out of control. I'll tell you this much. Last year, we spent a pretty good long uh, episode debating Denny and whether he would wreck somebody intentionally or whether he wrecked Ross. And I would, I boldly stated that Denny's all talk and he's not going to back it up. Well, I still. Stand corrected. He's actually quite the opposite. He's 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 talking. He's backing up his talk almost to a fault. <laughs> the, the part I think the part that was the strangest to me was how he hit, kept hitting down the back straightaway and through turn three and four <laughs> coming to the finish. Right, like he you know he used him up, slid him up the track. Both of them lose a lot of spots. Did Ross break check him off the floor? I don't know what was going on there. I think he did. Because you know, I know Denny ran into him. Yeah. Denny throttled up, hit him, right? But Ross does not throttle up down the straightaway, right? I don't know exactly what was going on, but 
why didn't he keep on running into him more and more? You know, was he really wanting to spin him out? Was he hoping that he would turn him around? Yeah. Um, he was getting aggressive there. But. I'd caution everybody. You know, a lot of people are talking about this today. And th- there's one thing. Listen, um, I like the Ross versus Denny. I don't want them to make up. I don't want them to uh, race respectfully. As a fan, it's one of the few things I'm clinging on to when I watch these races every week. That there, there's a rivalry on the racetrack that we can kind of yeah. – even if they're in ninth and tenth or, or wherever they are on the track, if they're near each other, you notice. I don't know of anybody yeah. else like that on the track, and there's not even a close second, frankly. Um, so – Everybody can have their opinion about Denny and, or, and Ross and whether or not, but I appreciate the fact that he's using, um, you know, a platform to be honest. I also dis- I, I would be careful to discourage these drivers from, you know, going back into a shell. You know, honesty and transparency is something. It's a gift. It's a privilege that we get to enjoy. Um, you just don't want to make people feel like, uh, you know, it's too problematic for them to be that way. And Denny is certainly gives us you know, a, an honest and transparent take every week. In fact, he had a lot of things on this podcast unrelated to the Ross incident that I thought were very, very interesting. One is about, he went on a rant about this short track package. Um, I don't know if I'd call it a rant. It wasn't like he, he was just, you know, really explaining. And Jared Allen asked some really good questions about the short track package. Denny had an interesting take about that. He also clarified some stuff about the Chase Elliott um, you know, the injury, as that this is a conversation that goes on a couple weeks. So, you know, these are the types of candor that we appreciate from our NASCAR, regardless of whether they have a podcast or not, whether, regardless of whether they're a Dirty Mo media uh, content creator for us. Just this is kind of candor that not everybody's willing to do, and Denny's one of them, and so I appreciate that. And, you know, if he gets if he gets fined for this or penalized in some way, I, I kind of regret that, frankly, because, um, you know, but if he if he does get penalized, it's not because of a podcast. It's because of what he did on a racetrack and not a podcast. If NASCAR ever tried to go penalize somebody for something they said on a podcast, well, that would be crossing a line, in my opinion. You know, that's that's affecting people's uh, ability to you know free speech or you know wor- working in the media. But I don't think that's what's happening here. I think it's there was a precedent set you know with Bubba last year on wrecking someone intentionally, and uh, and then you've got a guy that's saying you know it's admitting it now. Dale, what is your opinion on is it apples and apples with Bubba Wallace's situation from last year? I mean, that was a, that was clearly a situation that happened on a track, whereas in now you've got Denny just coming, you know, once they're back home admitting something. Is it the same? No, because there's some, there's some severity to what happened last year with Bubba, the, the hits and the contact that cars made with each other. You could look at it like the intention, the intent to go crash somebody is the same no matter what the result is. Right. So should be a same, should be a similar, you know, penalty across the board. If you're trying to do it, you're you're as guilty as the guy that succeeded. But NASCAR often looks at the severity of the moment and reacts based on, you know, how damning it was or how 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 much how much the repercussion was for everybody else involved. So they often where I would be like, hey man, let's make it clear. One one penalty for for any kind of intentional or intent to to crash a car. It's it's one penalty for everybody, right? One size fits all. That's kind of how I do it because I like simple simplify things. But NASCARs often let you know will change the monetary part of the fine or whatever, raise it, lower it, 
depending upon how badly it might have affected the day and or the moment, you know, how big the moment was. Picture this. It's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. One of the things that we're going to be watching in terms of penalties is a um, possible penalty coming down to uh, Hendrick Motorsports. And I didn't hear that the colleague cars were involved in this as well, but the louvers on the hoods of all of those cars were confiscated. I don't, nobody really knows exactly what was going on, why NASCAR, what NASCAR saw to, um, um, to make them want to take these and, and, and get a good look at them, but um, all four Hendrick cars and the colleague cars uh, had theirs confiscated. Denny said on his show that he thinks this will be the biggest fine in the history of the sport in terms of uh, finding an organization. Um, uh, obviously, modifying any kind of part for this car is a massive no-no, but I am hesitant to um, assume that that's what happened. And uh, until we hear you know exactly what's going on and why why NASCAR what you know why NASCAR wanted to take a look at these. I'm not going to assume that there'll be a fine, um, but it's uh it's interesting you know to to see. I think you know with this car NASCAR has to react really stiffly when it comes to teams trying to manipulate any of the parts because um, that's the whole basis around this car. It's like a kick car. Everybody has the same stuff. It's a level playing field. Whereas for, you know, 50 years, we took cars and tried to make them better and modify them and change and mold them in all sorts of ways. And we had tons of freedom to do that. And there's no longer freedom, you know, to make those adjustments or make things better. Even if you see something the way you might be able to make it safer, right? Um, You're not allowed to really manipulate any of the stuff that we have today. So, um, you know, we'll just have to see what comes from this, but I'm eager, uh, for some updates, uh, on, on what, what's going on and why they took those parts. You didn't see this, but, um, uh, as you, as you were, uh, as we were starting our show, I saw Greg Ives walking to the shop. And so we waved him in here. He actually came into the studio before we got started and we, we were kidding with him. We said, Hey, sit down here and explain to us what's about to come at Hedrick Motorsports and what you did that, uh, what, what your role in this was. Obviously he said, uh, no, I decline. Uh, <laughs> and he walked out. But the fact is that it was kind of funny and, and I don't know, a coincidence that, uh, Greg Ives was walking through here, which by the way, looking good. Our old buddy, Greg Ives looking good, having yeah. fun. Got a big responsibility over there at Hendrick. I wonder what everybody thinks about the new um, short track package uh, this past weekend. Um, 
my opinion about that is that Phoenix, the racetrack, is going to always race like Phoenix. That's and right. that it is not even really a short track in, in a sense. So this um, I'm, I'm holding my I'm reserving my judgment of the short track package and the, the changes that NASCAR is trying to make until we get to Martinsville. And we see what kind of race we have there. And we see what the drivers have to say about the way the car races at that racetrack. But for me, Phoenix is, you know, Phoenix is always kind of put on the same race, no matter what package uh, the cars have had. You know, I was never a massive uh, fan of the reconfiguration of the dog leg. Now there at the same time, it's really kind of the most compelling racing or compelling action we see on the restarts when things get kind of crazy coming through there. But, um, the original Phoenix was a really, really great racetrack and a lot of fun. But um, uh, what what they're racing it, what the track is now is a uh, it's a bit different than what what we used to race on years and years ago. So, but anyways, I you know I don't know how you make the racing better there. I don't think there's a magical package uh, that will will improve on the product at that particular racetrack. I think it's just a it's 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 the way the track's shaped and the transitions and the the style of asphalt. Um, so it's a kind of tough deal. I'm with you. I'm reserving judgment until we get to an actual short track. Uh, but I got to be honest. I'm going back to an old argument or my old position on this. Where I don't know. I think you got a, you know frustrated with me a few years ago. But I'm back to this. I'm already sick of having to talk about rules packages, aero packages. I don't think that's what fans relate to. I don't think that we're sitting, you know, and the fact that we're already at this conversation um, on a week-by-week basis on whether or not the race was good and why we can't pass and all this stuff, it's just an exhausting and old – it's an old argument that just never goes away. And I'm just – I'm ready for it to either – I'm just ready for us to be able to say this is what our racing is or uh, or they, they come up with a pro- – you know, we're talking about resolutions now that's going to take a year. At least Denny is. Denny's saying on his podcast that, look, we knew – you know, the manufacturers are – uh, have a role in this they're you know the limiting the rpms and so we you know we all want parity but then parity is going to present racing like this you know if everybody's equal everybody's equal when you can't go you certainly got one one organization that goes and tries to do their own thing and then they're going to get their hands slapped big time for doing that and so it's like what what is ex- what exactly do we want i'm ready for us not to make the rules package the the conversation every single week i don't care about it i know you guys do and I know the drivers love it. I get it. I get it. I just don't think the casual race fan can relate to it. And so it's but, – but we're being forced to have to become a student of, you know, the effects of, of taking off two inches of a spoiler and what it does in Dragon. None of us know what that feels like because we're not in the race car. And so what we see is on the, on the racetrack or what we see on TV. And it's just – I don't know. I'm, I'm just frustrated again about that. I, I, I know what you mean, but uh... – but listen, I was at Vegas. I mean, like I, I saw it. Right. Okay. The racing's not great now. We're back to the same old thing, and it's it's frustrating because Vegas is a mile and a half. That's the one. That's the one track you thought well, that you they can't. would race well. Well, I know, and, and you can't you can't have a resolution or or make the changes necessary to 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 create a better product without talking about the details. So I mean, it, that's fair. You, know, you have to suffer, Mike. Sorry, buddy. Gonna have to suffer, but this is a this is three, four, five years in the running now, so I'm I'm used to it. But like, it's not. It's, it is. It's not, Mike. Mike, this is forty years in the running. 
we've been changing spoilers and valence heights and all wings and all kinds of crazy for years. Uh, the package and how the cars race and the draft and all the things we've taught. We, this conversation has been going on for a really long time. I don't see it as this new annoying thing like you do. I see it as this long form, you know, low hum that's always part of every season. So it doesn't bother me because it's just always kind of been there. It's always been part of the discussion. And as a driver, a former driver, I feel like it's an important conversation because you're pushing, like Denny says, like he says, man, these, the, the manufacturers have a responsibility. I think tire, I think the tire company needs to, you know, own up and try harder or whatever. Right. We all have our opinions on where more help could, you know, more help to come from to make the racing better and softer tires that wore out more or whatever, not repaving racetracks, right. Things like that. Um, yeah. That's another one. Got a yeah. That's another one. The, the track repaves. I've never, maybe it has been a conversation <laughs> for 40 years, Dale, but listen, I gotta be honest. I don't remember the conversation always like in seeking a resolution, like it's seeking a, a something to be fixed. That I don't know that's yeah. been going on for 40 years. Maybe we're always, you know, as, as you get cars and cars evolve and manufacturers are always looking at technology and all that stuff. Yes, you're always tinkering with rules packages and you're always doing that. I get it. That's always been there. But this constant conversation of us looking for something to fix because the racing is bad. Maybe the racing has always been this way, or maybe the racing is not nearly as bad as we make it on a week-to-week basis because it's not the racing that's changed. It's the people that have changed. Maybe that's it. Maybe we, yeah. maybe we just don't have this, you know, the attention span. But either way, I don't remember us having to talk about rules packages as like, this is something that we need to do to fix this problem. This is a problem. we got to fix it. That's, that's exactly what yeah. I'm saying. Well, to, I mean, I remember years ago Dodge coming in and, um, being really fast. And could you imagine Mike, um, going out on the racetrack and a Chevrolet having a taller spoiler than a Ford and a, and a Pontiac having a bigger spoiler than anybody else. Yeah. Upheaval. That, but that was the reality of the situation back right. in the nineties, right. in the late nineties. Um, which is crazy to think, right. Cause you, you, you never, you never want to go on a racetrack where a guy had more spoiler than you, uh, and had more, you know, what, what you would imagine would be better arrow. But, um, uh, so I mean, the argument about all, you know, what fixing this or what's right, it's been there for a long time. In my opinion, we've argued over the restrictive plate package for 20 years plus about what really is the best restrictive plate package to have and why, why does it have to keep it changing? Um, but, um, I, you know, I think the, the hope is that we're going to go to Martinsville and we're going to all realize that, man, this is a better package. This is a, this is a, the changes they made to help the cars race at the short tracks and put on a better show are good. And Phoenix is just going to Phoenix. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Well, you might have changed yeah. me a little bit. You talked me off the ledge a little bit. I think you make some good points on that. Um, and I'm all for manufacturers uh, duking it out amongst each other and thinking that they're all being treated unfair. I'm all for that. Yeah. NASCAR history and heritage come alive at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Celebrate my fellow inductees Donnie Allison, Jimmy Johnson, and Chad Knauss with their class of 2024 artifacts enshrined in the Hall of Honor. Don't miss the Ford Performance Showcase. It's a new inside NASCAR exhibit that showcases the Ford Mustang's next-gen car through its design and innovation. The latest edition of Glory Road explores over 75 years of racing history, with its cool 33-degree banking and 19 cars on display, 
On Mondays and Fridays, there's guided tours that take you behind the scenes with incredible stories and access to a NASCAR Hall of Fame insider. Or you can explore the hall at your own pace with the new mobile hub. It's a digital experience. Get behind the wheel of a realistic iRacing simulator. Or you can learn how fast-paced pit stops work with the Pit Crew Challenge. From the legends who shaped the sport to the new heroes earning a spot in the record books, the NASCAR Hall of Fame delivers an unforgettable experience. Book your visit to the Hall today at NASCARHall.com. Hey, Dale, one thing you know I wanted to ask you is that, um, you know, what about Josh? You know, Josh got a top 10. You know, in the car, like I, you know, I know you were super proud that he got named in the car uh, and and uh, got that ride longer than just one week. But uh, dude's already kind of impressing people, isn't he? Well, I mean, I, I think that's the kind of run that you would hope that he had last week at Phoenix or uh, at Vegas. Um, I think you know, whatever the problem was with the car uh, that was making things a little challenging for him at Vegas, uh, you know, I was, you know talked about it uh, last week i was hoping that he'd get another shot to run uh run the car again luckily he did and they went to phoenix and while they didn't have the pace that i think that they wanted to have in the race i think his averaging running position was around 18th most of the day and um but i kept telling myself you know i'm like what's a good day here for him i think uh anywhere in the top 20 would be satisfactory and anything in the top 15 would be good and I think that he knows the car is, you know, is a top 10 car and he's just got to get there as a driver, uh, with, with more laps. And I, you know, I think he, uh, hustled at the end, uh, had some great restarts, which is interesting to me because get, getting aggressive and being great at restarts is kind of one of the last pieces of the puzzle. When you put a guy in a race car for a new race car, a new style of race car, typically the first thing you're going to notice if they're a great driver is the long run speed will be there. That'll be the first thing that shows up. They'll get better on the short run speed. They'll get better at firing off and being able to pull on the track on new tires and run that first lap really fast. That'll come later, right? And then aggressiveness on restarts and pushing yourself in really uncomfortable situations like that usually is one of the last things that it comes into the equation. And so, uh, but he had some really, really good restarts and that's what got him that top 10 at the end, a couple of late cautions and, and he took advantage of it. And, and he says working with TJ majors, has been doing great. Uh, TJ's brought a lot of new information and they do a ton of prep during the week. Uh, I will say that this has really made Josh's, uh, week a very big full week of, of studying sim work. He's in the sim for the cup car. He's uh, looking at old, watching, rewatching. He's got to rewatch last year's race on both Xfinity and Cup. They go over that, and uh, all of they have the um, competition meetings for both organizations. I mean, so he's got a lot on his plate, and uh, so I'm glad that he was able to get a result that he could be happy with. I think overall, though, that he would have liked to have been faster in the race itself, running maybe you know inside the top you know, 15 for most of the day. Um, if he was racing around 8th to 12th, I think that would be what I would expect um, him to be able to do. Now he's going to go to a racetrack in, uh, in Atlanta that's a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a oddball of a racetrack. You know, you don't, you kind of just hammer down and hope for the best. Um, and 
I'll be, uh, it'll be hard. To, I guess it'd be hard to, to, to score him, right? Whatever the result is in this one, I don't know how you score that. I guess he just hopes, you know, he just hopes he gets in there and has another re- decent result. But um, it's such an odd racetrack, and the way they race around there is is kind of, you know, like a restricted plate race, but but it ain't. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. So hopefully he gets a few more tries at it, but eventually um, everybody wants Chase to get back in the car and. And hopefully, I told Josh the best thing that he could do is that when Chase comes back, the car and the team are ready to rock. Yeah. And Chase hops in there and can go win a race right out of the gate. And that would make Chase feel like that Josh took care of things and helped that team continue to progress so that they have a shot at winning a championship this year. That's right. And um, that's kind of the role of the relief guy, you know, is to make sure you don't bring the team down, you don't you don't disrupt their progress. Uh, there's, you don't disrupt their ability to find speed in the car. And so, um, while Josh is trying to carve out a role for him in his own career, he's also got that responsibility to, to maintain throughout this process. Yeah, man, I'm with you. All right, let's do some ass junior. All right. Ash Jr. for this week. Dale, we miss you. As, as mentioned before, uh, we've got you on Zoom. And this actually, this first question kind of reminds me of when we were podcasting during COVID. And uh, it comes from our friends at IndyCar on NBC. They said you got to run with the IndyCar drivers virtually a few years ago. What was that experience like? Oh, well, I mean, it was the funniest part about racing with the IndyCar guys during the during the the virtual events was listening to them give each other a hard time so they were all really chatty chatty on discord and so they uh they would call each other out for making a stupid move or they would get angry and frustrated with each other as if they were out on a real racetrack in (laughs) real conditions and so that was the most fascinating part and they i don't know you you know when i raced with the cup guys None of them talked at each other. It's quiet. <laughs> they would hardly, they would hardly say anything. They were, you know, everybody was really quiet and, and not really coming out of their shell and just, I don't know, the cup guys are so different. And, uh, I'm like, I'm on there mashing the button. I'm going to talk to everybody. Hey, how's it going? What's going on? Hey man, move out of the way. You know, whatever, say whatever you want to say, uh, about what's happening. But the cup guys are real quiet. The IndyCar guys, on the other hand, man, they're just they're they're jibber jabbering each other all day, all race long about this and that and the other. But uh, it was really funny. Will Power, man, he just lets them have it, calls <laughs> them all names and cusses at all of them. But uh, <laughs> anybody that he thinks deserves it, they gonna get it. So that was, but that was interesting. Well, that day he thought they all deserved it because he was not <laughs> he sparing did. anyone. He was mad. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like yeah. we need an open chat. For the NASCAR Cup guys, on wouldn't that Sundays. be amazing? That'd be pretty wild, wouldn't Heck it? Yeah, it would be. <laughs> they need some. They need some. Uh, if you're going to have that, you're going to have to get them to talk. That's the problem. Like they, you know. yeah. I, listen, I've always thought, you know, when they go, hey, they'd say to their spotter, hey, you go tell the, you know, the 24, he ain't getting away with that one next time. Tell and him I'm yourself. like, just tell him yourself. Yeah. So <laughs> click on the 24 and go, hey, you got one coming. Yeah. And now you know. Yeah. This second question coming from Davis Warren. What's the worst race car to your memory that you've won a race with in terms of maybe setup or how, how, the, how the race was going? That's uh, probably – that's hard to say, man. I mean, every car that you win a race with is, is 
pretty much a good race car. Um, Maybe like a lucky situation. Oh, we shouldn't have won that race type of deal. Definitely the the probably the Xfinity race at Michigan where Carl doored me <laughs> off of pit road um, and came into victory lane mad. Um, Robbie Gordon was driving the junior motorsports car. Carl was leading. We had a late restart. They're side by side in front of me, uh, coming off of turn two. Um, we were all racing our guts out, but I wasn't, I wasn't, um, thinking that I had enough race car to win. And I was kind of hoping that Robbie would win. Uh, but we come off of two and Carl, Carl's car was a little loose in front of me. And I, I just got in the back of him to push him forward and and spin him out. Um, almost took out Robbie, but uh, we ended up winning the race. So we probably, I didn't think we was going, you know, that's one of the ones I didn't think, you know, we were going to win and we ended up going to victory lane. It's always a nice feeling. Here, Here's a, here, <laughs> I do have one that as far okay. as the worst handling car. All right. Um, the, the, um, the Bush race that we, we won the Bush race at um, Daytona with that pink Menards car. And now it was the, it was loose. It was out of control, loose sideways. Uh, that's why we won. So, I mean, the fact that it handled so badly, it was so hard to drive. is kind of the reason why we won because everybody else on the other hand was pushing real bad and they had to lift a lot. Um, and so we just break the draft to drive away from them. I think at one point we had like a 20 second lead or something like that, or 10 or 15 second lead over second place. And I remember Carl that was running second. Carl was running by himself. He had a break between him and third. And damn, it was the craziest race ever that I'd been a part of at Daytona with the cars getting spread out like that and the ability to be able to drive away from everybody. But the car was sideways, <laughs> sideways loose. I almost slapped the wall in turn one uh, a couple of times with the back just bouncing around, sliding around really bad. But I know it's 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 just, it's crazy to me to talk about a winning a car that won a race and it handling bad and not being great, but the way it handled was why we won, but it was a handful. It wasn't easy to drive as it looked on the, on TV. It That's, looked uh, weird. Did it? Has a hard time well, up. imagine the pack at Daytona. You've got a pack at Daytona and then you've got the leader out by like 25 <laughs> car lengths who's running faster than ever, the pack. That's what it looked like. It, it looks suspicious. Yeah. He still won with the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, I'd say he did. I yeah. mean, it was amazing. Most anybody that ever, I mean, all the the car was loose and it was fun, but it was a handful. So uh, if you just sit down and said, "Hey man, how you want your car to drive?" You wouldn't want it to drive that way. You want it to be easier, stuck, right. and gripped. You know, but um, I'd rather it be loose and tight because if you were tight that night, you weren't going anywhere. How about that? Hey, it's uh, the month of March, and uh, you know the tournament's about to get started. March Madness. Uh, people are wanting to know: Have you filled out a bracket yet? Yeah, I did. I just filled one out yesterday. I think um, I'm going to be wrong, but I got. <laughs> I mean, when I do a bracket, when I do a bracket, I just kind of start one game at a time. Who do I think is going to win between these two teams? And I don't have them. You know, I don't know how other people fill out their brackets, but I don't have my overall winner chosen until I get to that match and I've got those two teams sitting there in front of me and I go, okay, these are the two that have made it. <laughs> Which one's going to win? So I think Memphis and Gonzaga are going to be in the final and I got Memphis winning. All right. I guess we'll have yeah, to wait and probably, see. I'll mm-hmm. probably be way off. But, <laughs> um, I filled out the bracket and that's where I ended up. Hey, as an as a Arizona State alum, it was good to see you uh, gave him a few victories there too. So you know, I did. Yeah. How many did you give yeah. Alabama? 
Yeah. Oh, I, I'm, I, I'm actually looking at it now. Alabama makes it to, uh, I think, your Elite Eight, I think, if I'm looking yeah. at it correctly. Oh, you've seen it, bright. You I've, see it? I've got it now. Someone, oh, okay. someone just handed it to me. Yeah, go ahead and tell us. Go, go, you want to tell us our Elite Eight and our, our Final Four? Yeah, we can go Elite Eight. So Elite Eight is Alabama, Baylor, Memphis, Kentucky, Kent State, Xavier, Yukon, Gonzaga is your Elite Eight. Final Four, yep. Kent State, Gonzaga, Baylor, Memphis. Okay. And then it's Memphis, you Gonzaga, your championship game. There you go. It's pretty good. Kent State. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. I mean, you got – how can you not – every year there's that one team that goes way farther than they should. And I have – I feel this, like, obligation to – pick one of those teams like like which one's going to be the one right it's uh and so yeah you push a couple of teams a lot further than you 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 think they can go but that's that's what's fun about the the bracket that's what's fun about the tournament it's always one team you don't even know where it is you couldn't even guess yeah it's gonna it's it's sitting there there's a school called drake i didn't know that (laughs) yeah Penn state's beating them according to dale so oh yeah 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 i gotta ask dale something I want to ask you. Do you got another question? Uh, go for it. I, listen, Dale, you're gone. I'm always, you know, I'm always careful to bring, uh, I don't know, office politics and stuff into into your life. But I'm going to need you to say, I'm going to need you to make a rule in here. Okay, this is on the topic of travel etiquette, employee travel etiquette. Now, this is the question. I'm going to try to give it to you as subjective. I mean, as objective as I possibly can. Is it okay for an employee? to go on a three-day trip, and they go to the airport, and they don't park in long-term. They don't even park in daily. They park in hourly, the hourly deck, for a three-day trip. Wow. That's expensive. That is expensive. Have you ever heard of anybody doing that for a three-day uh, trip? Me, maybe. I'm, I might have done it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think you would Who have done it? that. What's that? Who did it? I'm not saying. I don't want to call them out. How can you... I, because wow. that would be unfair. I, I don't want to call them out. Um, I w- yeah. did. Y- y'all agree? I teed this up fairly. I, fa- I teed it up fairly. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't give any details. I, and and I'm just saying. I thought it thought it was an ex- an extraordinary move. <laughs> I thought it was extraordinary. Hourly parking for a three day trip, not a day trip, not even a two day trip, a three day trip. <laughs> what a what a what a jerk move. Thank you. What a jerk. That's all I'm saying. Uh, listen, I wonder what if you know if people are going to see this on uh, Ask Junior. If there is a if there is a situation in which that would have been okay, we are not letting this one. We're not making. We're not normalizing this. Don't even go. Don't even try to. Don't even try to normalize it. This it's is a terrible move. It's a yeah. It's a terrible move. It's a d- yeah, move. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. And by the way, then have the nerve to turn in the receipt to the company. I needed Dale to, to, to tell me if I was uh, wrong in this. Sorry, I, I just needed to know. How much did it cost? <laughs> How much did it cost? It's like a hundred bucks. It was a hundred bucks. I mean, okay, so like I parked in daily because it was twenty-seven dollars. Okay, well you've made a ruling. That's what I needed to know. All, All right. right, Andrew, you got any more? Uh, hey, yeah, I got time for one more. This is actually for both of you guys because I saw this. I saw you quote tweeted it, Dale, on uh, social. I think the other day. Uh, a fan recreated the Dirty Mo studio at their house. Oh, I saw that. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. That's pretty cool. It's badass. Yeah, that's the biggest compliment I think we've gotten on our on our on our business on our podcast and on our on Dirty Mo Media. That's the biggest compliment we've gotten so far. 
I agree with that. I also read the post, the Reddit post that the gentleman who built that, uh, and it is, but they did an amazing job. Yeah. Like it literally, literally looks like this studio right yeah. in their house. The 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 wood grain with the black, uh, it, it looks really good. The table looks good. But I also read the post and it said that it was something that, uh, like, I think his son who is 10 or 11 has had a rough year and I don't know why, um, he didn't elaborate on that, but it's, you know, it's been a rough year for his son. And so if this was something to, you know, to, to do that, that would even be a bigger compliment for us. And I, and I wish them well, and I certainly hope for the son, whatever would have been, you know, causing a rough year for him. I hope that, uh, rectifies itself and, um, certainly, uh, appreciate the gesture that they did. Yep. A fan wanted to know if you saw what happened at Hickory Motor Speedway uh, on Saturday night, and uh, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, at Hickory Motor Speedway, there was some controversy uh, with Landon Huffman and a few other drivers, um, Doug Barnes. Uh, Doug is, I think, the points leader because uh, he won both races last week, and Landon is last year's champion, track champion. And they both were in twin 40s, twin 40 lap features. In the first 40 lap feature, they wrecked on lap two or three, and they had to spend the rest of the uh, evening preparing their cars to try to race in the second feature. But there is a rule, uh, apparently, at Hickory, and it's a, it's a good rule um, that if you only have laps on your tires, you're not allowed to racing the second feature you have such an unfair advantage on tires over everybody who raced the first feature that you you would have uh you'd easily win the race so but there are some ways to to help the driver race right there's there's ways for there's a junk pile of tires that the guys can go pick from so that they can race uh and but i don't know why all of those avenues weren't sought and why um Everything wasn't done to be able to try to get Doug and Huffman into the second feature. Um, I think the they were given the option to start the second feature and take last place points. And uh, but they why they weren't eager to try to come up with a solution that allowed all the cars to race was uh, interesting to me. But uh, to be. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how uh, they move forward. I think that apparently this rule isn't in a rule book and it isn't often mentioned in the driver's meetings, but the driver's, the track feels like it's the driver's responsibility to know all of the uh, unwritten rules and unspoken rules uh, and that it's been discussed in years past at this racetrack that if you don't complete a certain amount of laps in the first feature, you're not allowed to race in the second. And uh, again, that's a it's a good rule. I understand the spirit of the rule, uh, and maybe going forward, it'll be in the rule book. It'll be written, talked about in the drivers' meetings every week uh, for all the competitors at Hickory. Hickory had a, a record crowd for an opening night, the best crowd they've had in probably twenty years. Hmm. So the track has a lot of great momentum, and this story this week is a bit of a stain. Uh, and a bit of a black eye for that group, but I'm hoping that they can find some resolution with their competitors. Uh, cause Doug Barnes going there and racing, that's a new, that, that, that's a, that's a car that wasn't competing there often last year. 
that's that's now going to their racetrack that you want to retain. You don't want to lose your track champion Huffman to to going you know, to you know want to push him to go to other racetracks and race. So um, it'll be important for Hickory to come come to some resolution with the drivers and the teams. But the grassroots stuffs uh, thriving. Yeah. Uh, the start of the season with uh, the Cars Tour and uh, the ASA series and you know all the things that have been going on. It looks like car counts are up this year across the board. Um, at the Cars Tour race, we had over 25 pro late models. That was a big, big field for us. And um, we had a really smooth first, first weekend with flow. Our broadcast, I felt, was really good and can only get better. Um, they race in two weeks at Florence, South Carolina on the 25th, which is my wife's birthday. Um, so anyways, uh, dude, I hear the car counts are up. Things are thriving. And, uh, you know, we'll have more with Hannah Newhouse in the, uh, short track insider segment on Thursday, which you'll be back in studio and we're looking forward to having you back. Um, but uh, yeah, to your point, um, the short track scene. I mean, I even noticed Bubba Pollard uh, getting into it uh, with somebody at Five Flags over the weekend, and that was a that that was yeah. a fun video to watch. So yeah, I always now I'm like really looking forward for Hannah to give us the next layer of information in these uh, in these uh, things that we notice on social media over the weekend. Yeah, there's a lot happening out there in short track racing, and it's a lot of fun to pay attention to. Yeah, that's going to be a show. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in, Mike. Thanks for letting me zoom in today, and. Uh, be with my family on vacation uh we still wanted to reach out and and, and talk to everybody this week um tomorrow uh a new series business and motorsports uh with my sister as the host um she has the uh she has the president of 2311 steve laletta is coming in to talk to kelly about uh, you know about how they run their program and it'll be fascinating to listen to those two discuss the uh, uh how to run a race team. That's right. And, um, and then we'll be back in the studio on Thursday. Like you mentioned, I can't wait to get home. Uh, vacation has been fun, but, uh, nothing beats being in the dirt, uh, the Bojangle studio, uh, sitting there with you guys. So I'll see you Thursday. See you Thursday. Those kids sound wide open in the background. So you need to go play with them. <laughs> yeah. I hear them. I hear them. They're <laughs> their last day that we're going to make the most of it. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you Thursday. See you. Check out Dirty Mo Media. Check out, check, check. Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.